Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Monday and so much going on today. Oh I my mean, gosh, yes. It's a coming out day. Right. National coming out uh-huh. day. It's Channel Q's third birthday. Yes. And also it's Indigenous Peoples Day. Wow, you've got, you just, you got a checklist over there? Pretty much. Uh-huh. Got everything going down. Is no. There, is there something I'm missing about you? Oh, my God. There is, most definitely. I went through, like, a hostage situation this weekend. I kind of saw this on You most Twitter. definitely saw it. You commented on it. Yeah. That, she tries to be so, like, oh, I, I think I saw it. <laughs> no, the receipt, she saw it. No, it, it was wild. I was downtown Los Angeles. Okay. And I was going to get a haircut. And it was just crazy because I saw the streets were blocked off. Police were mm-hmm. everywhere. But I was like, oh, maybe there's a protest happening. You know, that's been happening a lot. Like, you just never really know. Yeah. And I walk into my barber's place and he's like, oh, yeah. So there's this guy that went on like this like crime, violent crime oh spree God. around the neighborhood. And he ran into someone's apartment building and found this woman in the hallway and held her hostage for like three hours. Oh. And then he's cutting my hair and I hear screaming. And we go on his balcony. His balcony is facing right into the window no. of everything. So across the street? Across the street, we see the uh, the police spotlight on the window. And then he's dragging her, Holy. holding her hostage. And, like, the gun's pointed. And the SWAT storms. And, like, it's a shootout. Like, you you're just seeing, watched it. I, literally, I was just, I was in awe of what I just saw. Like, it was, it was like... I don't know. Like, I stayed in the house most of the weekend because I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, crazy. traumatized. No, beyond traumatized. Yeah. It's it's almost surreal. Like, you see this in movies, but you saw it. No, it was, it was. And then my barber had, like, these weird, like, intense binoculars. And I didn't ask why he had them. <laughs> but they did come in handy in that moment because you really could see, you like. You went and looked Like, no, we were close? watching. Like, we were watching. Because, like. Oh it was it was just I mean everyone watched it. There's this video on Twitter that went viral because someone posted it. They got a better view I saw of like, that the entire one you thing. That too. And it was it was it was very intense. I, I still can't believe that's like I witnessed something like that. I don't even think I've ever heard a gunshot. And there was multiple. All right. Well, like it was it was wow. I'm happy you're safe. Yeah, and if you want to know the the guy that was like doing all that, he died. Okay. Yeah, he didn't make it through. But the hostage is fine. Well, that's a good. I thing. think. <laughs> I think. No, yeah. I think. I don't, you know, I try not to look too much into well, it. Well, that is wild. Like, yeah, girl, it was a crazy weekend. So, yeah, that is uh, crazy. Just don't go downtown. It's a little ghetto down there. <laughs> Just saying. 
A lot can happen Seriously, anywhere. Da- I know, but like that was just crazy. That happening downtown, I would be downtown L.A., folks. Yeah. Well, listen, it is uh, coming out day. We're going to go to the positive. Yes, please. Uh, Ash Beckham, whose TED Talk went viral about coming out, is here to talk about how to live with courage and become an everyday leader. Love that. That's at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern. And uh, everyone that Kim roasted during her SNL appearance over the weekend in your tea report in a moment. Yes, I'm obsessed with her. She did so good. Yeah, she did really well. I was impressed. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Uh, Today, President Biden called for the defeat of anti-LGBT bills in state legislators and for the Senate passage of the Equality Act to mark National Coming Out Day. In a statement he shared, anti-LGBTQ bills still proliferate in state legislators. Bullying and harassment, particularly of young transgender Americans and LGBTQ plus people of color, still abounds, diminishing our national character. He added that he wants the LGBT community to know that they are loved and accepted, regardless of whether or not you've come out. Now, over the long weekend, this is wild, Southwest canceled more than 2,000 flights Friday through Sunday. Sucks. The company blamed the cancellations on air traffic control problems and limited staffing in Florida, as well as bad weather. Meanwhile, in a statement, the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA, said there have been no air traffic-related cancellations since Friday. So they actually said that airlines are experiencing delays because of aircraft and crews being out of place. So they put it back on Southwest saying, it's kind of on you for that. And finally, California also over the weekend became the first state to say large department stores must display products like toys and toothbrushes in gender neutral ways, which is a win for LGBTQ advocates who say the pink and blue colors of traditional marketing pressure children to conform to gender stereotypes. The new law that was signed by Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom does not outlaw traditional boys and girls sections at department stores, though. Instead, it says large stores must also have a gender neutral section to display these items. So good on Newsom for doing that. I mean, he was signing everything. He's been signing a lot of stuff, which has been great. Like, Y'all tried to get him out of there. And he's just like, well, now I'm going to do whatever I want. Exactly. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, let's talk about it. Miss Kim Kardashian hosted SNL this weekend. And the internet couldn't stop talking about her opening monologue. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, Kim Kardashian came out hot in hot pink for her Saturday Night Live hosting debut, boldly cracking jokes about how she's a Kim and not a Karen, (laughs) referencing her infamous sex tape, and declaring that her first black person was O.J. Simpson. Here's the clip. Now, you know, my father was and still is such an influence and inspiration to me, and I credit him with really opening up my eyes to racial injustice. It's because of him that I met my first black person. Want to take a stab in the dark at who it was? Um, I know it's sort of weird to remember the first black person you met, but OJ does leave a mark. Or several. Or none at all. I still don't know. I mean, the jokes were just so good. You know, she she called on Dave Chappelle, Ellen, uh, Amy Schumer, everyone for help for this, even Kanye West. Um, And so... Whoever wrote this, it did a, a, a wonderful, wonderful job. We want to know her ghostwriter and her coach. I don't know. Like, she she did really good. She sold the joke. She's not a comedian, but I think she had some really good timing. And mm-hmm. she looked great while doing it. That's your tea report though. We got more. A lot of pop culture stuff happening today. Yay. We're diving in. Let's do it. It's coming up next hour. Well, as we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, a look back at the history of boarding schools and what is being done to begin healing from this trauma. That's next. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. On what has typically been Columbus Day is now Indigenous Peoples Day. And joining us right now is Dave Beck, professor of Native American history at the University of Montana. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes. Tell us about the importance of a day like today for you. And I know you've been involved in different activities as well today. Yes, I sure have. You know, um, for a long time, we've viewed in this country, we've viewed Columbus Day as kind of a celebration of what's been called the European discovery of America. And of course, uh, Columbus didn't discover anything when he came here. People were already here. Uh, and then it turned out he he let loose just a horrific um, history of uh, treatment of American Indians. You know, he took American Indians as slaves. Uh, he uh, was involved in the sex trade uh, with children, um, uh, with murdering indigenous people. And this was something that became kind of a legacy for Americans uh, throughout our history that indigenous people still recognize today as really problematic. And so that reminder that comes around every year when Columbus is celebrated is something that's really hurtful to indigenous people. But flipping the script on it and recognizing this as Indigenous Peoples Day and recognizing the um, tens of millions of indigenous people in this hemisphere as being important to um, the modern world and being important to our historical past and being important to our future uh, as citizens on this planet is something that's a very hopeful thing for indigenous people and, and brings out great pride in indigenous communities. And so celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day is something that's really kind of an exciting um, opportunity that's only recently uh, begun to happen here in the United States. Yeah, and I think this brings us to something really interesting. Your article talked about uh, border school, like boarding schools, which had no clue like this. There was trauma connected to it and it was destroying, you know, indigenous people's culture. Can you talk a little bit about your article and kind of the importance of a conversation like this, especially on today? Yeah, so that's uh, something that uh, a lot of Americans probably aren't aware of is that here in the United States, uh, beginning in the late 19th century, uh, we had a process where both the federal government and the churches would take children away from their families, uh, sometimes kidnapping the children from their families, and send them away to boarding schools. And when you think of boarding schools, don't think of the elite boarding mm -hmm. schools that people attend you know, nowadays, uh, but schools where Children were taken sometimes as young as four years old from their families, sometimes didn't get to go back home for more than a decade, where they were um, forced to learn the English language, where they were forced to dress in American clothes, where they were not permitted to practice their own um, traditional religious um, beliefs, um, but were forced to t kind of take on Christianity. Uh, and this was a real effort to um, westernize and Christianize indigenous populations. There was this idea that um, dated way back to when the um, Catholic missionaries first came to the, this um, hemisphere that the best way to change a culture was to force the change on children um, who would be easier to manipulate than adults. 
And so th- that was really what the purpose of these schools were. Uh, and the purpose, uh, one, of the, one of the earliest schools was the Carlisle Indian School in Pennsylvania. And the founder of that was a uh, uh, general, a uh, man who later became a general in the Army, Richard Henry Pratt, uh, whose motto was to kill the Indian and save the man. And what he meant was to drive Indian culture out of American Indian people and to westernize them with Christian American uh, cultural values. Uh, And so this turned out to be very, very destructive in indigenous communities where families were broken up, where when children did go home, sometimes they no longer even spoke their own languages. They, They couldn't even talk to their parents and their grandparents and their aunties and uncles because they didn't speak the same language. Uh, where they didn't learn the values that their family had grown up with uh, and the practice, the cultural practices that their family had grown up with. So for more than a century, this was a really, really destructive practice in indigenous communities that's kind of led to, um, or that has led to something that's referred to as intergenerational trauma, Mm -hmm. which today's generations of Native Americans and Native American youth even are still trying to recover from uh, and to um, kind of revitalize those cultural practices uh, and their language and their traditional religious practices that the United States and the churches really tried to drive out of Indian communities and American Indian individuals. Yeah, it's horrifying and tragic. And I know that there's the American Indian Truth and Healing Commission on Indian boarding schools happening. Tell us more about that and just um, what is needed right now from the country to support the community in healing? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. So, the new Secretary of the Interior, Deborah Halland, is the first American Indian um, individual who's been in that position. And one of the first things she decided that the Department of the Interior needed to do was to reconcile what happened in these boarding schools. The Bureau of Indian Affairs is located within the Department of the Interior. So the Department of the Interior, as well as the U.S. Congress, were largely responsible for these boarding school policies uh, and kind of spurred on by what's been happening with the residential schools in Canada, which is which are very similar in some ways and different in other ways to the boarding schools in the United States, uh, where massive uh, graves have been um, uncovered by members of those indigenous communities whose children went to those schools Um, the Secretary Hallen decided that the United States needed to um, also reckon with our past so that we could get to a point where we can heal in the future. Uh, And she actually began this work when she was a congresswoman trying to get a law passed uh, to um, bring this about. But in her new position, she has the authority to create this commission to try and get at the truth Uh, And so one thing that um, non-Native Americans can do is to educate themselves uh, to understand what the historical problems are and how those problems and issues have impacted Native and Indigenous communities today uh, so that as they go through their healing processes, we as non-Native people can be supportive of them 
uh, as they begin the process of healing. Much of the healing that's going on is happening from within Native communities, but this idea of getting at the truth and understanding the history would be a really important underpinning for that healing to be more successful. Well, uh, thank you so much again for being with us. I hope to have you back to talk about this because it is so important and an unfortunate part of this history of our country. Dave Beck is a professor of Native American history at the University of Montana. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And next up, how AT&T helped build a far-right TV network. We're going to dive into that crazy story next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, Reuters published a special investigative report last week that says 90% of the right-wing propaganda TV network OAN, it's also known as One America News, their revenue came from a contract with AT&T owned or controlled TV platforms. Now, this implicated AT&T in all of this. And many people are saying like, OK, now you're supporting this right wing network. WTF, what's going on? Joining us right now is John Schiffman, who was part of this investigation from Reuters. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So why did you originally start this investigation? What was the reason behind it? Did something come out at you or like you were tipped off into this? Why? Uh, well, uh, One American News has had a growing profile since the election and since the January 6th insurrection. And so we wanted to take a deeper look. Mm-hmm. And so I went out to San Diego and uh, started talking to people. The folks at OAN did not talk to me uh, at first. And I just started pulling court records and looking at transcripts of depositions and uh, all sorts of different court proceedings and was pretty surprised to learn that 90% of their revenue comes from a contract with AT&T, mostly through DirecTV and also through AT&T's U-verse uh, platforms. I was, I was just surprised as anybody. Hmm. 
Yeah, and it's really interesting. Once this news dropped, I mean, it was like watching a wildfire. Everyone was talking about it on the uh, on the internet, and AT&T responded to the report denying its funds uh, OAN, tweeting, AT&T has never had a financial interest in OAN success and does not fund OAN. But it seems like that it, they still do, but it's kind of like they, there's like a, a loophole in there where it's like, well, we're not really connected because we don't really own them anymore. Or like, what what's the loophole here when it comes to that? Sure. Well, well, AT and T does own, still retains a seventy percent interest in Directv, so they still own it. Um, in terms of the facts of the story, um, we have the OAN CEO saying this in multiple court proceedings. We have the OAN president saying it in a sworn statement. I have testimony from OAN's accountant, and we have OAN's lawyer himself saying in court, if not for the AT&T DirecTV contract, OAN would go out of business tomorrow. So while AT&T does not own OAN, um, as it turns out, 90% of the revenue, at least historically, comes from AT&T products. Mm. So when this came out, is the, is the assumption that that could, would force AT&T to pull out? And have you seen anything since you have posted about this? Um, I've seen a couple calls for that. I've seen, um, I've seen the Congressional Black Caucus and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, I believe, um, have both made uh, comments to that effect. Other folks on Twitter um, you know, people can say all sorts of things on Twitter and you never know if they're really are dropping service or aren't. So, I mean, right. it's hard to know. Yeah. And I, I want to know what's the blowback with, you know, because they own other companies like CNN, HBO, Warner Media. What potential blowback does this have on to other properties that are owned by AT&T? Well, it's a really good question. I know the folks at CNN were not were not thrilled um, to put it lightly. Um and when I spoke with them, they were uh, they were both surprised and, uh, you know, and, 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 and concerned. Um, you know, it's it's hard to tell. You know, I, I just put out the facts and yeah. you never know how people are going to react. Sometimes people react uh, very strongly and other times people just sort of shrug and move on. Um, it's hard to know these days. Well, quick follow up. Mm-hmm. How does mm-hmm. how does how do companies like CNN not know that? Like, how does AT and T kind of keep this such a secret? Oh well, the contracts themselves are confidential, mm. so this was never meant to become public. And so, basically, um, what I found I found this in various court files while digging through them. I mean, it took me you know many days, and I had to look at archives. And this wasn't laid out there um, or leaked or anything. It's something that I sort of pieced together by by going through the different documents. Oh wow. And so in uh, part of the piece in in people's coverage of your story, a lot of people Mm -hmm. are saying how it's also impacting more behind the scenes, the staff behind the scenes finding this out that AT&T supported OAN. Is that what you have been seeing as well? Do you mean the staff from AT&T? Yeah. Like Um, pushback of that, you know, or fighting back against the fact that they're basically supporting a right wing platform. You know, I haven't seen that. Um, you know, AT&T is a huge company, so um, yeah. they, people may be tweeting that or something, but I, I haven't personally seen it. And nobody's reached out to me um, 
from inside AT&T. So I, I don't know. Well, I do think that's interesting. It's really interesting, though, if you think about kind of like the hypocrisy of it, because I know AT&T is a company that requires vaccine and mask mandates for its own employees. So to kind of be associated with the conspiracy theory and misinformation of OAN is kind of like, that's intense. Do, do you think this is just going to ride the wave and just become yesterday's news? Or do you think this is going to be sticking when it comes to the brand, you know, the brand appearance of AT&T? You know, I don't know. I, I, I certainly hope it sticks because I think that, you know, the truth matters. Um, you know, I've been a journalist for a long time and and all we have is the truth. And um, and, I, and I think it really I think it does matter. I think I think that um, AT&T may have an opportunity next year. Every year, I believe in the spring, they have a chance to renew this contract. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they'll do, but I think that the most important thing is the truth. And, and I think you know, knowing more about something like this is is pretty important. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for your reporting on this. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. That was John Schiffman, a Reuters reporter. Coming up, why Netflix suspended a trans employee and it involves the Dave Chappelle special. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Uh, Netflix just keeps on digging themselves into a deeper and deeper hole with uh, this whole Dave Chappelle situation. His latest comedy special, The Closer, came out on October 5th, continues to double down on transphobia and transphobic jokes, making fun of the LGBTQ community, homophobia, all of it. Just horrible uh, to the point where other creators on Netflix have called out the platform saying, like, dear white people saying, we're out. Like, if you yeah, don't we, do something about it, we're done. Yeah, that was something that we, that we chatted about yeah. on the T-Report last week. But their latest continues to just be bad, right? Bad news. <laughs> so uh, a Netflix software engineer, Tara Field, tweeted about Chappelle writing that the comedian attacks the trans community and the very vali- the, uh, validity of transness in the special uh, sharing, I work at Netflix. Yesterday, we launched another Chappelle special where he attacks the trans community. All while trying to pit us against other marginalized groups. You're going to hear a lot of talk about offense. We are not offended. Yeah, it was a beautiful thread that happened on Twitter. I actually um, retweeted it when I saw it. And yeah, it was really just her kind of, you know, laying it out plain and clean about working for Netflix and the, uh, the how conflicted it is when Netflix continues to, one, have an LGBTQ plus platform called at most on social, um, but then also still allows for transphobia and homophobia to run rapid in its content. And this isn't the first show that's done that. This isn't the first time people have talked about it. Um, but it's just, it was really interesting hearing from a perspective of someone who actually works there and who, you know, has been a part of, you know, the, I know there's a, um, a group that actually at Netflix that uh, she was on that is a, it's a group of trans folks that actually work for the company. They talk to high level execs to talk about some of the problematic things that mm-hmm. they've witnessed and how to make, you know, the viewer experience better, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was really shocking to hear this news. Well, yeah, because after she tweeted that she, along with some other employees, were suspended and another trans employee is quitting the company over this. And then Netflix said, it's absolutely untrue to say that we have suspended any employee for tweeting about the show. Our employees are encouraged to disagree openly and we support their right to do then so. why was she suspended? Exactly. And then 
the Netflix co-CEO Ted Sarandos. I mean, and this happened. This this moment happened before they suspended her. Yeah. So he came out with this email saying that while everyone has a different opinion about this, they're not going to take the special off of Netflix. They support Dave Chappelle. It basically says, yeah, our viewers love transphobia, and so we're keeping it. That's basically what he said in a, uh, re- I mean, to be honest, I put it better than he put it in his own little message. But it's, I mean, it's really, it's really embarrassing because you're saying Dave Chappelle's allowed to have freedom of speech, but your own employees aren't allowed to have freedom of speech. Yeah, not okay. Not okay. And it's sad that Netflix is willing to die on this hill. You it know? seems like, it, do you think this is the end of the platform or this could really impact them in a, a negative way as things in time continue. Netflix isn't going anywhere. Let's be honest. They're huge. I think they're a, a machine that it's going to take a lot more, unfortunately, than this to like to bring them down. But I do think they're going to take a pretty big hit because, you know, queer and trans folks are only going to take so much. And they've paid Dave Chappelle a ton of money for these specials that he's giving them. And so they're looking at it through a capitalistic eye and not to mention the guy who is one of the co CEOs is a cishet white guy so of course he's not really going to probably understand the right side of history on these things that's a a huge issue i think it's unfortunate a lot of people making these decisions and having commentary about this to recognize that they're obviously not seeing something from someone else's experience is really horrible right it's it's it's, it sucks and it continues to create a the bad world that we're living in You know, like, I I just think he needs to see this, and it's really unfortunate. He's going to, once again, do uh, the wrong thing and see the consequences of that. Let us know what you think of this whole thing at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. Next up, the new safety features Facebook is adding for teens following the whistleblower leak. That's next with more on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, thanks for hanging out uh, out with us on this lovely Monday. Hope you're enjoying the great music here on Channel Q. We have lots coming up today on the show, including highlights from Adele's epic Instagram Live over the weekend. It was quite entertaining, actually. It was one of my favorite things that yes. happened this weekend. Uh, that's in the tier for it in a moment with Ryan, plus writer and speaker Ash Beckham joins us to share what happened when they decided to talk about their coming out story on the TEDx stage. That's in 30 minutes. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson described the LGBTQ community as filth during a speech earlier this month. He shared there's no reason anybody anywhere in America should be telling any child about transgenderism, homosexuality, any of that filth. He's now ignoring calls to resign, adding he will not we will not change our language. And let me tell you plainly right here and right now, I will not back down. Now, Vice President of Global Affairs Nick Clegg from Facebook was responding to questions about whistleblower Francis Hodgins' uh, Senate testimony last week on a bunch of morning shows over the weekend. He shared the company would implement new tools to divert users away from harmful content and give parents more control of teens' Instagram accounts. He also said some measures will urge users who are on Instagram for long periods of time to take a break and will allow Facebook users to reduce the presence of politics. So I guess that's how they're responding to all the recent stuff and investigation from the Wall Street Journal about their impact on teens and women. But we'll see if that is enough. Now, for all the Squid Games fans out there, are you ready? Real life Squid Game is being organized in Abu Dhabi. That's right. A real life Squid Game without the violence, of course. 
because that would be illegal and weird. So it's gained so much popularity that in Abu Dhabi, the Korean Cultural Center in United Arab Emirates announced they're doing a reenactment of the Netflix series for two teams of 15 people. And the event will start on October 12th and take place in two sessions. The center's event page informs four out of the six games from the Netflix series will be present at the event. The games include Red Light, Green Light and Dalguna Candy Challenges. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see a bunch of this stuff coming out. Without the violence, of course. Uh, but that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. So Adele broke the internet during her first ever Instagram Live. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So she did a very intimate Q&A on Instagram Live. And it was hilarious because she had no clue what she was doing. Here is a little bit of that moment. Am I going to collab with Peppa Pig? No. My favorite thing to do during lockdown was drink wine, obviously. What's my body count? What does that mean? EastEnders any day over Corrie. I don't think I can legally adopt you, no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and it just went on and on where she was talking to like uh, Alicia Keys at one point being like, I don't know, someone help me. I don't know how to go live with anyone. It was just, it was a hot mess, but it was the best because she made sure to end everything on the highest of notes by previewing her brand new song coming out on Friday. Here is the moment. There ain't no me am i crying or are you crying yeah we're probably all crying at this point because that song sounds amazing it's called easy on me and mm-hmm. i'm so excited for her to drop it this friday like she she did not have to give us that little 30 second preview but i'm happy she did she did i wonder if that was a strategic thing or she just decided last minute like i think she time. just decided last minute she said she was going to get in trouble for it oh yeah okay I don't think Adele's really that strategic, just from the way that she acts and the way you saw her act. And I feel like celebrities should start doing more lives like this because a lot of times you don't really know the personality behind the music besides just what they're singing. Mm -hmm. And I think that really gives a a really interesting way of connecting with, you know, fans and people getting to see who you are. But super excited. She's absolutely amazing. That is Adele. I got more Tea Report coming up next hour. Well, of course, it's National Coming Out Day. So after this, we are talking about the pros and cons of coming out. Stick around for that next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Of course, as we've mentioned countless times, it's National Coming Out Day, but that could mean something different depending on who you talk to. Right. Um, I think that it can be complicated coming out. And not just coming out, but the idea of like what's how it's been uh, packaged, this idea of coming out, right? And yeah. now there's viral videos and hashtags and all this stuff. And for some folks, there might not uh, be a need to do all of that. They could just be, they don't need to come out to fully accept themselves or put themselves out there. Yeah, you know, coming out is so interesting. I think my my POV on it has changed so much over the years where um, I always, I at one point I thought it was a really good thing for visibility and mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I think it's important to you know, I think it helps you find community in that way when you're coming out and, and you tell people that really matter and, and, and they either, you either go through the neg- negativity of it or you go through a positive experience um, and hopefully it's a positive experience because that just makes your overall just experience better. Um, but for me, I, you know, I've always had one take on it. I think coming out is such a kind of like oppressive in some ways, right? Because the idea of having to announce yourself and who you are um, because you are inherently othered just makes no sense to me. Like it, mm-hmm. it never felt good. I never really liked it in my own personal experience doing it. Um, you know, I told my coming out story with my mom and, and, and that really wasn't that, that great. Um, but I think now it's, it's so interesting. It's, it's so interesting now because I feel like there's, I'm about to have a, a like a newer coming out experience. Oh, in what um, way? So my grandmother is oh. 85 years old and yep. I'm, I haven't seen her in years. My mom, you know, has moved back home and like she's taking care of her and like, you know, and my grandmother is still like very fiery and kicking. Right. And um, it was so interesting. She never really bought up girls or anything of, of, about, you know, that or anything recently and, until recent. And um, we were FaceTiming and she mentioned something about it. And it was just so strange. Like it was like out of left field for me uh-huh. and you just hear my mom kind of like softly giggling in the background being like what are you why, why are you giggling like you you know this is like ridiculous um but it, it really bought all that to say to not go into so much detail but all that to say it kind of like made me think about like oh i think i 
I need to come out to my grandmother. Mm. And I, I've, my mom has always kind of told me not to because my, I think it's really her projecting her own worries about everything. But like my aunt, my uncle, they follow me on like Facebook, even though I don't use it. But when I update, it's always something queer related. They know who I am. I have a queer cousin uh, who's uh, in the Navy. Hmm. But my grandmother, I've never had that conversation and she's never really ever bought that up. And so now I'm kind of like rethinking about this coming out experience of being like, you know, I don't have to because it's not like they're paying my bills. And oftentimes with coming out, um, some people stay in the closet due to the fears of because they're being financially supported by their loved ones, their family members. Um, And if that if they don't take it right, that means they can cut them off, right? That's not my position. I'm paying my own bills. I'm living in my own place. Like, it's all good. But I do feel I want my grandmother to know me fully Yeah. before, you know, anything happens. But it's still very conflicting because I'm going home for Thanksgiving and I'm like, oh, should I do it there? I'm not telling my mom that I'm doing it. But it's like I've had this kind of... um this interesting really in my fa- and I didn't even connect the dots that national coming out day was coming and all that stuff and, and how it's happening so recently mm. um, that I'm kind of experiencing my own little new coming out experience, which is, which is awful. But also like I understand as a person who's visible, it does have its importance. Is that, is that nerve wracking though to continue having to think about coming out? No, because I normally don't, I don't normally have to. Like, I mean, I am out. I'm loud. I'm proud. Oh, yes, we know. I'm queer. I'm all of these wonderful things. And I don't have to come out. And in spaces that I, I'm newer in and I go into, I just simply exist because I deserve that. And I think that's the reason why I've always felt that coming out was oppressive because having to do that, having to automatically other yourself when you don't need to, when it's no one's business and it's all someone's personal journey, you know, I, I think... That's something for me that once I was out and the people that I cared about and my livelihood and and nothing really changed, I didn't have to feel like I had to come out. But now kind of adding in this new element of someone who I have always been, I'm I'm the baby of the family. And so me and my grandmother have always had a very close relationship. Mm. And so I just don't know how, you know, she's going to take it and how that's going to shift. And, And who knows? She might not even care because, you know, as people get older, and I'm not her child, but I'm a grandkids, and I feel like grandparents are always softer on their grandkids. Yeah. She might not care. I think that you can possibly get much closer in sharing. There's obviously, you don't know how she's going to react. She's from another generation. Right. But the gain on the other side is pretty amazing. If, you know, well, yeah. what's possible on the other side of that is really beautiful. Well, I think the, the, the gain only for me is because I don't think anything's really going to change. Like I said, like it's not like they pay my bills. Um, I think the gain is just her to, as she's getting older, know me completely yeah. fully, right? There's no secrets that need to be had. Because I think, especially with families of color, oftentimes you like to people just like to sweep things under the rug and just kind of pretend like things don't happen and, and there's a hush around the, the, the room. But for me, I've 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 made it very clear that I don't want to move like that. I don't want to live in that way because I know how it felt to be in that that space mm-hmm. of just trying to be accepted because, you know, I want everyone to continue to love me for what, I, what I'm doing and who I you am. You know, and it could help others who have grandparents because I know a lot of people who have come out to their families or living out, right? 
but then they haven't told their grandparents. They're waiting until they basically, like, or they're not going to come out to everyone fully until their grandparents die. It happens. It's a true thing. They are waiting until that generation is gone to fully come out. And it's real. And I think so. We were talking about pros and cons. Pros are always the visibility aspect of it, inspiring so many other Mm -hmm. people, um, doing what's best for you, shedding that that burden or that that heaviness that can be on you. That's a pro. But the con is having to do that when really all you should be able to be as a person, as a human, is to be able to exist and no one cares who you're sleeping with or what your genitals are and what who you all like. All of that. All of that doesn't matter. And so for me, I, I hope I, I hope for a day where we don't have to do that. And hopefully we see that sooner as the world continues to evolve and become more queer. Cheers. If I had a, a, t- a glass, I would toast it. I only have some tea <laughs> right now. But hey, later. There's always later. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of all of this, our next guest spoke out about her coming out on the TED stage. She got millions of views. Uh, she joins us after this to talk about how she's encouraging others to live and lead with courage. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Ash Beckham is an inclusion activist whose TEDx talk, Coming Out of Your Closet, became a viral sensation. She joins us right now on National Coming Out Day. Ash, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Happy National Coming Out Day. Yes, same to you. Now, that video came out in 2013. How much has the idea of coming out of the closet changed since then from your perspective, or has it? Oh, I mean, you know, I feel like there's like so many things, right? It is... It is so advanced. It's, it's become so much broader and, and 360 degrees, right? Whether that's um, gender expression, more inclusion, trans issues, right? Like coming out was just used to be so binary and like so many things now, um, the scope is just so much broader. So I think in a, in a, in a broad sense, in a community sense, right, it's, it strives to be so much more inclusive. There's so many more ways that you can come out even to be tangentially part of the community as an ally. I think that exists. But I think at the same time, there's still that moment that you have to tell somebody something that you fear that they might judge you about. And that kind of somatic feeling in the pit of your stomach, like, I don't, I don't think that ever changes. So, you yeah. know, more things change, more to stay the same, maybe? I don't know. No, it, I, I have to agree. I think there's always going to be that nervousness around because you just don't know what the reaction is especially if you're coming from communities that make you intersectional and and this type of conversation isn't one that's going to be happening at the kitchen table you know um but i I love something absolutely i love something that you talk about especially about embracing your power of empathy and respect and conversation it's did you did you find that out through your experience of coming out kind of embracing your power or was that something that you were already working on and then coming out just kind of like kind of clicked it for you right yeah no i mean i think it was something that that was was part of coming out and i think part of being being authentic i think i went through like so many of us right you go through that phase where you know everything when you get the courage i think to have that first hard conversation and if at any point you feel like you have to defend yourself or justify your existence i think we naturally become defensive right like we want to be protective and, and when we have the courage to do it, it's hard to get back in the closet, right? So, so we're, you know, out and proud. And, and so I think that was kind of my first step. But then you start to have conversations with, you know, not strangers on the street, but, but 
family members or close friends and you realize that those relationships are are worth salvaging and and your role is to kind of help them through that process to help them with their coming out that somebody that they're close to identifies as lgbtq plus right and Mm -hmm. and so i think that empathy it gets us a lot further and when we think about what our end game is um you know there's times to jump on the soapbox and there's also times to kind of you know, give somebody a hug and, and, and have that continuing continue, continuing conversation because I feel like that's where the actual change happens, right? Like, that's the, that's the secret sauce. Yeah. Yeah, and how did your life change after coming out of your closet on Ted's, the TED stage? Sure, right. That was the part that was so wild, right, is that you live out in your community. And, you know, I live in Boulder, Colorado, or just outside now, and it's a, it's a pretty welcoming place. You know, there's the one gay bar in town closed because so many places were open and accepting. Right. So, so I feel like I lived in this great space, but I wasn't really doing anything. I almost, I took that privilege for granted, I think. And then jumping up on a stage and essentially announcing myself and being like, I'm Ash, I'm gay. You know, that, that was a whole, a whole different world. You kind of are thrust into this um, activist role. And I think I was hesitant at first because it's scary. And that's like, a vulnerability and you know, you only know your own human experience and, and sometimes that seems enough. It's like you're almost an ally just because you're out and, and that's not the case. So there's, there's always work to do and, and ways that we can leverage that privilege that we have, you know, being cisgendered or being white or being able-bodied, right? All of those things that you kind of realize that you have privilege and, and you have to use it for, for good. So, so how do you, how do you make that happen? So it, it, it changed, certainly changed the trajectory of my life. Um, in a way that was that was scary and continues to be, but is um, you know more rewarding than anything I've ever done professionally. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, because I don't think anyone really thinks about that when when you when you have a sort of kind of visibility. Like your video has five million views on it and counting right now. And I think some people don't get about the pros and the cons of visibility about how it can be a very beautiful thing of being inspirational, but also being visible can also be very scary, especially being queer in this country. Like you just never know what could happen, right? Is that something that you've thought about as you've kind of owned? this space of visibility yeah i mean i think i think you're 100 percent right i think the the thing that becomes challenging is you get it from both sides right like you're worried about protecting yourself from people knowing you're out and and you know i i present very androgynous like there's not a lot of people that mistake me for straight you know what i mean like that just once i kind of jumped into and 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 um accepted who i was and and really owned what my gender expression was and how unique that was and that that was okay and there would be struggles, but it was more important for me to be authentic than any of those. Like that was really powerful, but I think there's just some fatigue that comes with that activism, right? Because not only are you kind of worried about, again, like you said, Mm -hmm. being queer, you don't know what the reaction is going to be. And that could be that miscalculation could be violently problematic. Right. And so I think there's always that fear, but then at the same time, when you are an activist or, you know, like the two of you, when you are the the face of change and, and, and you're having these really difficult conversations, then you go to the grocery store and something happens and you don't put off a fight. And then all uh-huh. of a sudden you're not the activist you claim you are, or you're not the activist yeah, you're supposed to be. And so they're like, I just want to, I just want to buy coffee. Like I just want to buy coffee. That's so right. Have, does it have to be every single thing, every single time and that gets tiring. And so I think that visibility piece, again, it goes both ways and, and just so 
so critical for all of us in the community to, to fully support people exactly where they are and trust that they're, they're doing the best they can in, in any day, in any moment. And, you know, nobody has a responsibility to me to be an activist, right? Like that's, that's their own thing. And, and some days you just want to take a day off. You just want to take an hour off. Right. And, and, and that's okay. And, and I so support people that, that do that. But I think that's often something that's, that's not seen or the expectations of who you should be. And if you're not, you know, are you an imposter or are you not, you know, all, you're just not enough. And like, we get that every day. I feel like we, we give our, that to ourselves in the mirror every day. We don't really need it from anybody else. That's that's definitely real. We could have a whole other segment about that. But um, let's just quickly, <laughs> before you leave, we have to have you talk about your new book, Step Up, How to Live with Courage and Become an Everyday Leader. Tell us more. Yeah, well, it was really, you know, I think the TED Talks were great and, and was so so grateful to be able to get out in front of communities and universities and colleges and corporations and, and really kind of be at the heart of it. Um, but realizing that there were so many people that I met that were so inspiring to me that didn't see themselves as leaders. I'm sure so many people that are listening right now that if we heard their story and their journey and what they've done, like, like we would look to them as leaders in this space. And But we have this kind of preconceived notion of what a leader looks like, that mm-hmm. it's a position that it's based on, you know, an org chart or, you know, with the size of the budget that you manage or how many people report to you, right? And, and to me, leaders exist every day. And, and the way that we practice leadership isn't this position, it's a disposition. It's the choices we make every day to be a better version of ourselves, right? And 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 to be able to point that out to the 10-year-old captain of the soccer team and the CEO with the same language to, to prepare people with this toolkit of the things we talked about, right? Empathy, courage, grace, humility, uh, you know, a multitude of, of tools that depending on the situation, they can draw from whatever tool will will best apply and, and really lead. And, and so many times that we see people, somebody holds the door for somebody at a grocery store, like that's a leader. Mm. You know, somebody helps somebody that they, a stranger on the street, get their groceries in their car, like that's a leader to me because you, you see people do things and you want to be a better version of yourself. And so this yeah. book was really written to, to the demographic of, of anybody can be a leader from exactly where they are right now. They already are. They just need to say that to themselves in the mirror and, and, and just sharpen their sharpen their tools like like any of us do, right? But mm-hmm. there's no there's no um, prescription to, to be one. You you are one right now, and and we need people to to lead from from exactly where they are with their stories and their honesty and their integrity and their authenticity, and and that's how we kind of you know keep their trajectory towards inclusivity, uh, moving in the right direction. Ash, you are inspiring, amazing. I totally love all of that. Uh, we have to wrap up right now, but again, you're you're awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, such an honor to be on the show, and thanks for for all you do for for give both of you for for giving a voice to the the people that, that don't hear those voices very often on the radio. Um, so much gratitude, and hope to chat with you again soon. Yes, definitely. That was Ash Beckham, speaker, equality advocate, author of Step Up, How to Live with Courage and Become an Everyday Leader. Thank you again. Absolutely, y'all. Have a great one. Happy National Coming Out Day. Yes, you too. Next up, our program director will be joining us in a bit to talk about Channel Q's third anniversary. We're here right now, but stick around for more of Let's Go There right after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Well, today is National Coming Out Day. It also marks our three-year anniversary here at Channel Q. I know. What a long three years, right? It's, it goes by so quick, but it's also like, wow, we've changed completely. We have. I mean, you have a totally new look. 
I have a totally new look. I don't think it has to do with anything <laughs> about a look. <laughs> like, I don't even know what that even means. We're aging. We're, you know, we're growing. Speak for yourself. With everyone here. Speak with all of for you. yourself. Uh, well, I'm so excited to have our program director at Channel Q, Brian Holt, joining us right now just to, like, celebrate this amazing day and talk about the importance of being here and being part of queer media. Well, thank you. And seriously, congratulations to you guys. Uh, it has been, I can't believe sometimes that it really has been three years. I know, right? Yeah. And, um, and yeah, you guys have you guys have changed. You guys have grown in really, really great ways. Um, when we think about the show, remember when we were first yeah. doing the demo, which seems like oh, yesterday. Yeah. Oh, insane. And I remember how nervous yeah. we were coming in. Like, I, that was the first time I was just like, sure, what is this crazy thing you're attaching me to at this point? <laughs> I'm not even asking questions. All I know is we're just and here you are. Oh my god! Oh it's boy! Insane. I think if we all ask too many questions in the beginning, me might not be here. Yeah, just go with the flow. <laughs> just go, just go with the, the flow. flow. Well, it was funny because as I was getting dressed today, is why I was like our look because I remember how we really looked good on that first day. We were at the Abbey on the red carpet. Oh yeah, that was oh, I really worked hard on that look. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And right, today right, I'm right. in sneakers. You know. <laughs> like, I guess Brian has has Channel Q evolved for you, like especially from its original iteration into now like how has that journey been for you kind of on the outside looking in well i'd like to think that our content has evolved and gotten better to be mm. honest with you i think um and again for those who don't really know the backstory which i imagine is most people you know when um i was approached with the idea to to launch channel q i knew when i came from across the street as we say in the biz that there was already an lgbtq media platform out there on the radio station but yeah. um what they did is very different from what we do and i knew what was missing uh in the landscape in the queer media space was content that talked about the issues didn't just play the music that we like but that actually talks about and has those great interviews that you guys are so well known for i would say as far as how have we changed or grown i think when we first went in we were trying to be more entertaining Mm -hmm. and now i think what we lean more into is being yes entertaining but also much more informative yeah i think you guys absolutely represent that in in one of the best ways with a lot of the long-form interviews that you guys do with these amazing guests that I don't think anyone can touch us when it comes to the audio landscape uh, when it comes to news and information and entertainment mm-hmm. that you guys do. I mean, you have a million and one podcasts that most people don't listen to. Um, you have no one else on the radio doing yeah. what we do. And I say that with all the best respect and love to yeah. our, our, our um our colleagues uh, who are doing their own thing, and we love that. But I do think that where we have um, kind of put our stake in the sand is that what we do is we strive to not just entertain, but to inform and uh, share meaningful information that I think our LGBTQ and allies uh, can use. Definitely. I mean, yeah, you, you said it all pretty much. <laughs> There's like, um, it's been an honor to be part of this, and every day we get to learn so much ourselves, which is part right. of it. It's really amazing. Right. Uh, and we get to meet such incredible people through the work we do as well. Right. I mean, the interviews that you guys do, yes, and then the Yaz Queens and all those things, these are real people who don't get the attention they mm-hmm. deserve. Yeah. Um, and while we are just one small voice, we like to think of ourselves as being a mighty voice. And while we might be a very small spotlight compared to the other big media platforms, 
our spotlight shines really bright for a lot of really, really important people that are doing big things, even when they don't have a lot of people paying attention to them. Uh, so I, I'm proud of you guys in particular and the station as a whole uh, for doing that work because really no one else is doing it. No, they but really I, aren't. But I think it really speaks to the mentorship and just the 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 support that we get from the higher ups. I mean, from you to to Jeff Fetterman to like everyone, everyone really supports us because for us to have made it throughout the quarantine. Girl, can we talk <laughs> Like, let's be real. Like, let's be very real. And so I, I think that's why it just feels extra yeah. special because it's like, oh, yeah. They want us here. They want our thoughts. They, they want to hear our perspective. And, and, and I'm happy that we have that opportunity, you know. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, as cliche as it may sound, we wouldn't have the platform without every one of you listening. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do it, right? I mean, yes, we come in every day and we try to do the best work that we can do. But we have to have a reason for doing it. And the reason that we do it, speaking, I think, for all of us is that we do it for those of you who right now are listening, whether it be on the app, in your ears, uh, or on the car, uh, in the car, on the radio. Um, Thank you for listening. Really, really, we do celebrate with every one of you listening. Um, So happy National Coming Out Day. And and happy birthday to all of us at Channel Q. But thank you to every one of you listening right now. Thank you so very much. Wow, Brian Holt, do you want to be the third mic on our show? (laughs) Now you're great. It feels so good. Yes, uh, that was our program director at Channel Q. Brian Holt, thank you again. Thank you, guys. Love you. Now coming up, some LGBTQ seniors fearing discrimination are going back into the closet. More on that next, as well as what's trending this hour. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back with more show for you. And we hope you're enjoying this great music on Channel Q. It continues all day long, 24-7 actually. We've always got some great music for you. But next up on the show, why some LGBTQ seniors are going back into the closet. And what needs to happen to change that? That's in 15 minutes. And Cardi B officiated a same-sex wedding was iconic. More on that in the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. California became the first state to prohibit stealthing or removing a condom without permission during intercourse. After Governor Gavin Newsom signed the bill into law, victims can sue perpetrators for damages, including punitive damages. So it's now illegal to remove condoms without obtaining verbal consent. Lego is working to eliminate gendered stereotypes from its products after a study revealed that both parents and kids continue to view toys as gendered. A survey from the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media commissioned by Lego, they found large differences remain in the toys parents expect boys to play with and those they expect girls to play with. And these attitudes are also connected to the type of career paths parents ultimately encourage their children to follow. And finally, Merck said today that they are seeking FDA emergency use authorization for their experimental antiviral COVID-19 treatment, Molnupiravir. 
And if authorization is granted, the drug made by Merck and Ridgeback Biotherapeutics would be the first oral antiviral treatment to fight COVID-19. It comes in capsule form. They said they're asking for authorization for the capsules capsules to treat infected adults who are at risk of progressing to severe COVID-19 disease or hospitalization. So a uh, capsule treatment coming very soon, it seems. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so Cardi B is all about that WAP, weddings, and bride. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, now, she is iconic. I mean, honestly, at this point, there's no other reason to say that you can't, you don't love Cardi B. She served as the officiant of a pop-up lesbian wedding on the latest installment of her Facebook Messenger series called Cardi Tries. Here is a little bit of a clip of that because she teamed up with Raven uh, Simone and they both did this together. So here's the clip. I'm so excited for today. It's National Coming Out Day. We're marrying this couple with a pop-up wedding. I have a card to prove it. You ready? I'm nervous. Pick the wedding dress. We pick the decorations. Now it's time to get married. Hello, everybody. And it was like, like really cute, right? Yeah, I love the series that she does. No, it's really good. And like she's done um she's done so many different ones, but on this episode specifically, she's actually um she talked about understanding pronouns and being non-binary and she actually really had a really great conversation um because of course this episode coincided with today, uh National Coming Out Day, and it was just really it was really beautiful and that um, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm happy that she was able to do this. Basically, she filmed this back in July, just weeks before she gave birth to her second child. And yeah, I don't know. It's a really, really cute uh, video. All the clips I've seen are just wonderful. You should check it out. And I love that Raven Simone is a part of this because I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, they did a good job with this. Yeah, she was the uh, ring barrier. And she basically explained the significance Aww. of National Coming Out Day. No. I so, like yeah. it. We're, it's on Cardi B's social media, right? Yeah, it's on Facebook Messenger series. Uh, so if you're on Facebook, just type in Cardi B tries and you'll find it. There you go. Well, next up, some LGBTQ seniors are fearing discrimination and going back into the closet. This is just horrible, including uh, a national coming out day. We're going to talk about what can be done to change that. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. As we've continued discussing celebrating coming out day, uh, one group of people that we might be not including in this conversation are the senior community. Yeah, oftentimes the senior community is often left out of a lot of experiences from media representation to uh, the necessary legislation that needs to be happening and how a lot of these things really impact their lives a ton. Yeah. Well, and a study from AARP in 2018 showed about three out of four LGBTQ adults aged 45 and older. And this is wild. They said they're concerned about having enough support from family and friends as they get older. It's actually causing many to go back into the closet. Well, and a lot of the issues as well, really, if you if we're going to be honest, really impact um 
LGBTQ elders of color, like mm-hmm. a lot of that is really because a lot of times they don't have any other family members or they're, you know, just depending on the situation, it can be just very like them, them by themselves trying to figure out what's next. Yep. And so I'm super happy to, to have on our guest. Yes. Cheryl Whalen joins us right now. Sage's director of national education initiatives. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah. And tell us more about Sage because you're all, you're doing great work for LGBTQ senior, seniors and you're an advocacy group. Right. So SAGE is the, the oldest and largest organiza- organization dedicated specifically to providing advocacy and services to LGBTQ plus older adults across the nation. Um, so we're really, you know, excited to to see this attention being given to older adults, because like you said, oftentimes, you know, we're, we're kind of forgotten in, in some of yeah. these stories, especially during coming out day. Yeah. And so let's talk about this, because I had no clue that there was an aspect of when it comes to finding living, that people have to kind of reenter the closet because they're afraid that they may be discriminated against. Can you talk a little bit about that? And how often is that happening? Definitely. You know, I would say it's, it's, Oftentimes we think about people going back into the closet or recloseting if they're going into a long-term care community, but we've also seen that happen in their own homes where maybe they're having to bring in a home care provider and they no longer feel safe, you know, being out in their own home. So folks have gone around and, you know, taken down pictures off their walls and, and really, you know, done everything they can to make sure that people don't recognize them as a member of the LGBTQ community. Um, you know, how often it happens, it's it's hard to tell, but we know that there's great fear around people, you know, feeling like they'll be outed and, and what may happen as a result of that. That's just so sad, right? You work so hard to finally be in a place where you can be out, and then lo and behold, as you get older, you're back in that situation. How are you all working with um, seniors to make sure this doesn't happen or support them during this time? Yeah, I think there's there's a, a few um, initiatives that, you know, are really important to this work. Um, one is our SAGE Care training and credentialing program. So we do a lot of, of outreach and education specifically to long-term care providers, so home care companies, long-term care communities, nursing homes, um, residential retirement communities, you know, and that's really designed, <clears throat> excuse me, to, to help provide cultural competency to, to their staff. We also have a national housing initiative where, you know, we're really looking to help develop um, affordable housing and, and ensure that it's LGBTQ welcoming to, you know, to folks across the country. And then one of our new programs, which is a partnership with the Human Rights Campaign Foundation, is called the Long-Term Care Equality Index. And that program is designed to help introduce, um, to not only introduce best practices, but to help organizations ensure that they're updating their policies and procedures to ensure that they truly are living a mission around long-term, around welcoming long-term care communities. That's all so important. So thank you for that. Because I, yeah, I'm sure it's difficult to find those safe spaces for a lot of LGBTQ adults as they're getting older and looking to kind of organize that period of their life. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, one of the things I've oftentimes said is that, 
you know, we should be able to continue to age in our communities where we've lived, worked, raised families, celebrated so many life events. And, and so making sure that we have, you know, welcoming long-term care services and providers is essential to remaining in our communities. Well, there you go. And it's also about having these conversations at all ages and in all communities right now, not mm-hmm. leaving it to a day like this. Um, and just to be aware of how you can be a better ally in all ways. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that was Cheryl Whalen, SAGE's uh, Director of National Education Initiatives. Next up, it is, of course, Indigenous Peoples Day. And we wanted to go back into our archives to talk about two-spirited people. More on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. As we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day, we wanted to go into our archives to honor two-spirited people. And here's Kayla Shaggy, a two-spirit Diné and Anishinaabe artist. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Yes. So first, can you explain what a two-spirit person is, just for some context as we get into this? Okay. Um, So a two-spirit person uh, first of all, it's a Western term, so kind of like a rough translation of a uh, person with both, um, usually Indigenous, must be Indigenous, first of all, a uh, person with both uh, masculine and feminine energies, uh, hence the term uh, Two-Spirit. And uh, not every Indigenous tribe has uh, Two-Spirit people. Um, the two tribes uh, I belong to, uh, the Diné people and the Anishinaabe people, they both have um, a history of two-sphere people within their culture. And uh, I would say it's also not just an identity, it is a ceremonial role as well. Yeah, and it's so interesting because every time Pride Month comes around, you do not hear anything really about Indigenous LGBTQ2S folks. And I... Um, I wonder what your thoughts are about kind of that erasure of um, indigenous folks in when it comes to this community. I think a lot of it just comes from, you know, people just not being aware. And, you know, indigenous people are a unfortunately a small uh, percentage of the overall population. And, you know, a lot of other things, too, is the effects of colonization as well can contribute to that erasure. And uh, yeah, it, it, two-spirit people are holy also, which I find really uh, beautiful. So why has there been such a disconnect in terms of people understanding uh, the role um, these individuals play and the history of the LGBTQ in, uh, community as it relates to the indigenous community? Um, I think that disconnect is there because uh, sometimes it's hard for people to understand that the two-spirit um, role slash identity is not just uh, something people can put on. It's uh, something very uh, intimate to the person, and the context within it uh, requires a lot of uh, awareness and education, especially of the person of whatever tribe they come from, because every tribe can be different. And, you know, it's a term that was created relatively uh, recently in the Mm. 90s. Um, There was uh, reclamation and, you would say, kind of resurgence of the modern two-spirit. And then also um, relevant as well, you know, with the the boarding school 
uh, era in residential schools, you know, there was most likely a generation of two-spirit people that just weren't able to survive for the next generation. So that could have been a bunch of elders we could have had, but we don't. So when you're breaking, when when a two-spirited person is being deemed like as a holy people, can you break that down? Like, what does that necessarily mean? And what is their role in, in, in the indigenous community? Yeah, I can break that out. Um, so, for example, uh, in the Dinek culture, when a family had a child and, you know, they could tell, like, from an early age that, oh, this this child is two-spirit, you know, and the term uh, in Dine language is nakle. Uh, you know, they would hold a celebration. It was considered, like, a really great honor to have a two-spirit child in your family. And as they grew up, this child could do you know, both the masculine roles and both the feminine roles uh, within their community. So in Navajo culture, um, you know, only women can do the weaving. You know, a two-spirit person could do the weaving if they were, say, male-bodied. Um, you know, and then going to going to war, going to battle, that was considered, you know, men's work. Two-spirit female-bodied person could go to war. And they could also operate as, like, a caretaker, as a mediator, and as a leader for their people. And, you know, they were just considered, um, you know, as they say, very holy. So it was kind of just having this very special person. A lot all of us can learn from that if only that uh, message was continued outside of, obviously, the indigenous community, uh, because it's something I feel like we could honor um, others who are like that and, but they aren't. Rights are being taken away from, as we know, trans individuals daily. So how can we bring um, that intention to the LGBT community at large? Um, I would say, you know, just listen to Indigenous people, uh, listen to Two-Spirit people, and then uh, just um, allow us to, like, speak on these things and also just, like, include us more. Uh, and events and you know kind of like even right now speaking on a program like this I never would have imagined so well I mean reconciliation I would say honey imagine Mm. it because we if you know as long as two-spirited people are around and we're here to help amplify those stories and make sure the light is shown and shined beautiful all on y'all yes please it's it's a beautiful um thing to to hear about a, a cultural a shift. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That was Kayla Shaggy, a two-spirit Diné and Anishinaabe artist. We hope to have you back. Thank you again. Next up, we're shifting gears and temperatures. Why women prefer warmer temperatures compared to men. And this comes from a new study that's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. A new study has found why women might like warmer temperatures than men. I mean, I will say this, the mo- like, it's the most annoying thing. I remember when I was, uh, before I moved out of my mom's house, mm-hmm. she loved having the heat on. It is the <laughs> worst thing. I'm like, what is happening here? I'm sweating. It's awful. Like, I used to, um, even like when it snowed and stuff. Yeah. She used to get so mad at me because she would have the heat on. And I'm, of course, it's, it's snow. It, it, it gets really cold. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would literally, open the window. I would keep my windows open in my room. And I loved how cold it was. Like, if it, 
I need to be able to see my breath. That's how coded. Like, oh, I like yikes. It. Like, I love it chilling. I, I like a little airflow. You know me in air. I have a thing with air quality. Like, if there's not a flow of air, I, I don't like being in a place where we can't open windows or natural air can't, can't come in. I don't like air blowing on me, fake air. It's a weird pet peeve of mine. But anyway. You don't like wind, like fans? I don't like a fan on me. I like a fan in the vicinity. What it's happens on when me. it's on it's, you? It's like it gives me the heebie-jeebies. It's like nails on chalkboard. Like it's a bit of a weird quirk. A fan on you? Yeah. I don't like it wind cool blowing against. Unless it's super hot. I don't like wind blowing against me or if I'm like in a, maybe a car or a boat. <laughs> like it's a really weird thing. What? I have. Yeah. It's like I don't like fake air. Like... <laughs> All air is fake. Like air conditioning air. Like the I air don't, I don't like. That's fake air. I find it's weird <laughs> when air blows on you. At any rate, this is really interesting. They say that uh, female members of different species are naturally drawn to warmer temperatures, basically mammals, right? Researchers in Israel found this is because of an inbuilt evolutionary difference. So they actually studied birds and bats to figure this out. And it's all based on metabolism and also that we have different heat sensing mechanisms. And evolutionarily, is that a word? Um, it is today. <laughs> women, actually, if you think about how women connect, women are much uh, like much more closeness. They like to, you know, uh, I guess when, even when we talk or hang out, we like to be much closer. Men... <laughs> don't necessarily like to be as close vicinity-wise or body-wise. To wise. other men? Yeah, or from each other, yeah. Which is like, you could each say other? that's a, What do you mean each other? Like, if like you... other men. Just in general, if you look at the way we interact, uh-huh. what, and this is also can be a, is well, a gender I like thing. That, but, I mean, my thing is, I don't like... Um, when I'm, like, partnered with someone, I don't touch me when we're sleeping. Like, stay on your side of the bed because I'll get hot, and then I, like, I don't like to cuddle. Like, that's just not for me. Yeah. Like, I, because I really will, like, sweat. And if I get hot, I won't be able to sleep. And then I'll wake up with a head. It'll be like, oh, thing. That that could be a thing. It could be an intimacy thing. It could also be uh, biologically in terms of, like, how men are set up. Yeah, to want their own space. Also, if you think about it, way back when men were hunter and gatherers, they would go out in the cold, right? They were out there, whereas women were taking care of the home, of their children. They were inside, so, like, naturally, we tend to like warmer areas. Are you talking about cavemen? Yeah. Where did the cavemen reference come from? But that's what I, when I think about these things and these studies, you I go back to archaic. Yeah, but that's also what researchers do. You oh. go back to, like, where did this really start? Even though we are changing, huh. there's still certain ways we are behaviorally. How do we know if that was ever really back. true? Because they have seen fossils and everything of like human existence in caves. Well, no, I know like cavemen <laughs> are true. I'm not saying that that the idea of cavemen are true. I'm talking about the idea of gender roles at such an early time that men were doing this and women were doing that. How do we know that? Wasn't true? Yeah, that is interesting. I think that in certain there are some there could be some generalizations, but I think they've also seen there. There is evidence. Of We're going to look it up in the break. I would like to. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the day. Yes, Queen. Now, pioneering astronaut Sally Ride will become the first out LGBTQ person to appear on United States currency. She's getting that coin. Ride will be one of five American women to appear in the new American Women Quarters program. Joining poet Maya Angelou, Asian-American actress Anna Mae Wong, 
Cherokee Nation leader Wilma Mankiller and suffragette Nina Atero Warren on the series of coins. So Sally Ride, a part of LGBTQ history and space history. Oh my goodness. Uh... And also a big shout out, a yes queen to all of you for sharing your coming out stories and being so open and vulnerable. And to you, Ryan. Well, who did that? Well, who, I'm just so, saying in general, you things? for showing up. Whoever has shared their stories and has come out, we're honoring you today on National Coming Out Day. Well, all right. You're a part Did of you our Did you get emails that day. I didn't know about? Mm-hmm. Many. Oh. And DMs. Okay. At LGT Show. <laughs> um, that does it for our show today. Yes, Queen. And we are back, of course, weekdays here on Channel Q Live, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about um, and asking the question, why does fitness need to be gendered? And how has it become so gendered? Plus, inside the toxic world of twin flames spirituality. Of course, this was inspired by Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox and all that happening. That's on tomorrow's <laughs> show. If you miss any of our shows or podcasts or interviews, sorry, we have a podcast. That's what I was about to say. Just go to the Odyssey app and search Let's Go There or where podcasts are available. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering pets and mental health. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.